Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is Frosty Rucker on the Take Back the West podcast. Catchy name, right? Because we're taking back the West. Um, we're here on the Believe Network. Uh, this podcast is sponsored by betonline.ag. That's where you can place your prop bets, uh, anything you see out there. I'm not a big betting guy, but I dabble every once in a while. So go to betonline.ag and place your bets today. When you get a chance to sit down with two of the best football players to ever come through USC, you shoot your shot. And better yet, you get them on Take Back the West podcast. Today, I got Keith Rivers and Lofa Tatupo stopping by to make sure we understand what it's all about running in that cardinal and gold and winning championships. Take Back the West podcast on the Believe Network. I'm Frosty Rucker. Enjoy this one. So I got two of the best linebackers that ever touched the grass at the Coliseum. Um, I got Lofa Tatupu here. I got Keith Rivers here, Mr. 55 himself. And Lofa, obviously, his nickname is 58 Savage. Um, I don't know who made that up. Again, I think he did himself. But that's besides the point. He was a savage, though. What's up, my Gs? What's happening, man? Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. What up, Cross Rock, Keith? Don't be dumb. You know what I'm saying? In this flesh. 58, 58, 58. Yes, yes, yes. Lofa, 25 games. Let me go over your, your stats. Correct me if I'm wrong. You played 25 games at USC. You had 202 tackles, nine sacks, seven picks, three forced fumbles, three fumble recoveries, and 18 pass deflection. Am I wrong or am I right? Uh, I think that is correct. That's GOAT status, Keith. I know. My eyes almost crossed when I heard that. I'm telling you. I knew he was, but I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't know he was like that. I knew he was savage, but I know it was like that. It was ham sandwich. I must have forgot. Lofa was going ham sandwich. I was there. I seen it. I was out there. By the way, I wanna, I, he's got to take back one of those sacks, man. He stole one of my sacks, so you got to take that off. Well, the image right here. If, we, if, if you guys want to pick up this image, here it is right here. Keith, what are you doing? Lofa celebrating. Is this what you're talking about? He took your sack? He took my sack, man. I got the penalty called. There was a penalty in the play before. I got held by, I want to say, Jamal Brown. And the next time we came back and they ran the same play, 
and he's coming. I think Lofa just got there before me. I hopped on. I got a little J-O-P. He was coming on the pressure. I had the back in coverage. So I pressed as soon as I saw the back pick up or someone came just up. There, I went to green dog it. And uh, Jason White leaped out. I got him. He was already going down. He <laughs> jumps over both of us and just, like, lands on uh, Jason White's head to finish it off. So him, hey, in the year before, in the Rose Bowl, Dallas – they gave Dallas my sack, too, um, at the end of the game, 10 of the game. So, so I should – you're right. The stats should be 10 sacks. I should be rewarded a half a sack for each of those that they, they robbed me. So it should be 10 sacks, Frost. That's crazy. Okay, Keith, I'm going I'm to I'm do your stat rule. You got 49 games, 215 total tackles, 127 of those were solo, eaten. 80 of those are assisted, two interceptions. How many fumble recoveries did you have? Yeah, probably three or four, I don't know. But it's my TFLs, and they all came on third down, majority of them. Like 15 TFLs or something like that, right? 18. 18. Don't cheat me, right? <laughs> Don't cheat me, man. I need all that. No. I'm trying to get the USC Hall of Fame. <laughs> you guys are on your way reading those stats, man. You guys, post, um, you guys both played a, a huge part of the success we had as a team. Uh, I was fortunate to be teammates with both of you guys and watching you guys obviously mature, grow, and be the best. And I, and I consider you guys uh, the goats of USC linebacking corp. And um, I'm just glad to have you guys here with me to share these moments and, and talk us through this stuff. Um, Lofa, I want to start with you. Um, I got a couple questions and I just want, you know, just, I want some converse out of you guys. Uh, Lofa, what was your fondest memory at USC? Uh, hands down the natty. Um, you know, 2003 was a great year. And, um, but we had some unfinished business, you know, we finished the season number one in both polls. And then we dropped in the last week in the BCS polls. So we had the coaches and the uh, media and we dropped in the BCS. So we dropped out of the national title game. So we had to go play Michigan. We beat them, but we didn't feel like we won anything. Cause we were just like, all right, our eyes were set on the natty outright championships and going wire to wire, which I think only the, 99 Knowles or something like that had been able to do. That was that was special to me. Um, do you remember going into that Galen Center when we had to sit there and, and eat the food yeah. and get the, the TV cameras were there and they, they started telling us what bowl we're going to go to and all that? you remember that moment? Hell yeah, man. I was pissed. Uh, I was just sitting there and, you know, of course, you want to, you, you're you're grateful to go to any bowl, especially BCS and the Rose Bowl. But, um, you know, I felt like, it, the only loss we had, and I understand it was to Cal, was it was, you know, triple overtime. It took everything, Aaron Rodgers, uh, you know, to beat Mark us. Lynch. Five turnovers. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it was, and, you know, I was a hard-fought game. And then when you looked at the, I think it was Oklahoma lost their own conference championship. It right. didn't make sense that they were able to play for the national championship. They lost to K-State. K-State embarrassed them. Uh, little Sproles was getting off. And uh, so, so we, you know, we were upset about that. We, you know, we didn't, we didn't let that go until we went through uh, the natty the next year. Lofa, do you think, because uh, a lot of other conferences, obviously they have a conference championship and Pac-10 didn't, do you think that uh, we should have had one? Yeah, I would have strengthened our case to, to represent, uh, you know, in the national championship. So I understand that argument back and forth, but um, yeah, I'm still pissed about it. <laughs> 
Keith, same question for you. What's your fondest memory uh, playing for the Trojans or being at USC, period? Uh, I think my fondest memory is just um, is practice, you know, competing with everybody, um, workouts, summertime, uh, building that uh, camaraderie where we're all hanging out and, you know, got no money. We're, <laughs> hey, you chip in, you chip in here, and, you know, we're all just, just getting, getting it done and then just um, – I, you know, I think practice is more, 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 more fun than games. It's just um, battling it out and then watching the film the next day. And um, I don't know, it's just great to, to be around you guys, whether it's Lofa pulling me aside and letting me know, hey, man, 55 means too much. You know, you got to do this. <laughs> or, it's, uh, or, it's, or, it's, or it's you, Ruck, and just, you know, getting mad because Nickel Keith's coming in the game. <laughs> also, you, you remember that, Lofa, that, that five, I I used to want to just smack his hand when he's like run on the field with his five up because I knew I was coming out, but you know, it was a humbling experience for me because I'm such a, a team player that I truly, I didn't mind because I knew it was for the better good. You were a outstanding talent. You came there for a reason. You were wearing the double nickels. I was okay with it. You know, obviously the competitor in me, I wanted to stay in the field because I wanted to rush and you know, that's where you make your money. You know what I mean? But putting you in an opportunity to, you know, make plays and stuff like that. I never hated it. You know what I'm saying? Oh, only a couple games here. There's only a couple games that took me yeah, out. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you think when you start getting your, your mom out there. But, no, I remember, Keith, those summers, uh, like you said, we all chipped in. People don't understand what we really went through uh, being a college athlete. I think uh, they see the glitz and glamour. They see the Saturdays. They see the victories that we had. They've seen us on the row power fist and like that, but they don't understand that true grind that we had going to summer school. And, you know, we had to go to summer school just to get a stipend check because, you know, all of us didn't have a dime to our name outside of a Pell Grant or a stipend check and um, chipping in the bag to, you know, buy food for the, you know, to, to cook on the grill or a few brewskis, MGDs, whatever it was that we had to do. You remember? Champagne and beer. It was a champagne <laughs> beer, champ. You know, and we had that. We weren't drinking good. It wasn't the high life for us, man. We were uh, we really grinded it through, you know, just being at school and uh, being around us, the athletes, and, you know, looking at our facilities and look at what they are now to what we had. We didn't have cold tubs. We didn't have cold tubs. I didn't even know what it was until I went to the league. I had a pipe leaking over my locker my whole career there. <laughs> right. And half the time, those pipes were used for, like, basketball. You are, uh, you already know. You, uh, you know I mean, you get kind of flipping. You know what I mean? So those. You remember when Matt Castle dunked on me and like it almost broke, uh, tore both my ACLs? Yep, I remember. Cast doggy dog. Shout out to Matt Castle. Cast dog. Hey guys, uh, question. Uh, I'll start with this one, Keith. Any coach that really stood out to you that was monumental in your life from SC? Um, for me, Ken Norton stood out in my life. Uh, you know, I still live by live and die by the quotes that he made. Um, you know, he it was like a second father. You know, he was always uh, pulling you in and uh, teaching you the game and not necessarily, you know, the game within the game. You know, hey, they want you to do it like this, but I played I played the game. You should do it like this. And just, uh, just t teaching you how to get the right mentality, teaching you how to watch film, teaching you how to be a ball player, teaching you how to be a student athlete, teaching you how to be a man. Hey, you should read this book because, you know, you're going to get some money here and you should be able to, control your finances and you should you know just a, just all around great guy and um him and t-mac and you know you just um and, and obviously pete you just live and die by a lot of the things that they taught us because a lot of things they taught us were preparing us for life so yeah they really set a foundation with us 
Uh, Keith, I remember when uh, you were first getting coached by Norton, you didn't take to it at first. You know, why was that? Why were you a little, was it intimidation a little bit because of who he was or you just weren't comfortable around him at first? Uh, I think we just hadn't built a, we hadn't built a relationship uh, at the, until that time. I think until, you know, because we were splitting the job with Rocky, with Rocky Seto. Um, but it's just, uh, you know, we had the older guys. He was really, you know, Lofa and, and Groots and Dallas, you know, he was really more concerned about, that's, you know, really helping them out. And, I, you know, we would just get yelled at all the time. <laughs> we were rookie, we were freshmen. So it was, um, you know, when they, when they left and it became our, our show, uh, we really built a relationship and um, one that's been long, life-lasting. That's great. Lofa, same question for you. Any coach that stood out at SE or anywhere? Yeah. I mean, grateful for all of them that, that taught me the game, um, you know, I was a lot of things before I got to SC, but I was not a national champion. And, uh, you know, having Nick Holt kind of, you know, do the groundwork and the fundamentals about really learning why we do what we do, why we call what we call. And then Rocky coming in with the tendency sheets, he would have just a, a cheat sheet this long and everything that we went over you had the percentages of every play when they're in eye formation, they're 90% pass, you know, when they're in near eye, it's 85% run. So you know where you can take your shots. And that expanded my knowledge incredibly. And then to top it all off, it was Kenny Norton Jr. Um, who, you know, if he walked in the room right now, it was like, yo, love, run through that wall, bro. I'm, I got you, Nort. I got you. Right, right. Um, hard steps, right? Yeah, man. And, um, you know, the guy that's been there, he's done it. And, uh, and, and he's been where you want to go. So Kenny Nort, I talked to all, all three of those guys still. Um, you know, Kenny Nort, uh, that bond's probably a little closer than he coached me up here um, at uh, Seattle, too, for, for my final year. And it was, uh, it was fun just to, you know, have to come full circle and, and get to learn more from him. And, uh, and I'm, you know, just happy that I got that opportunity. Right, man. It was huge. A lot of you guys don't know out there, in uh, this fantasy podcast land, but Frosty Rucker started off in linebacker. So I started off in linebacker with Lofa T. Uh, we transferred in and we were in Nick Holt's room, um, crowded room. Like you said earlier, Keith, there was Matt Grudegood, there was Champ Simmons, AKA Cramp, if you want to call him that, um, Bobby Otani, Aaron Graham. Um, any more names? Yeah. Mike Pollard. Hey, Bay. Dallas, A-Day, A-Day was D-N. A-Day just got moved to, uh, to D-Tackle, D-N, yeah. Right, 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 right. So, you know, the, it was a crowded room, and the things that stuck out with me with Coach Holt that you're, you're bringing up, he was such a fantastic, uh, I would say motivator in a sense that he was no BS, but so direct. You know what I mean? Like, he was so direct, and, you know, he would call you out for anything, and you couldn't have uh, – you had to have tough skin, I should say, because um, his words would just rip you apart. But he meant well, and he knew what he was talking about. Yeah. And uh, obviously, if you watch his career, he's still a head coach out there, and he's doing a, his thing in college football. But, I mean, he was great. And, you know, the one person that I could say that really stood out for me would have to be Ed Ordrone, obviously Coach O. Um, because remember, I started linebacker, I moved into his room, and that was, again, another humbling experience for Frost because, um, you know, I also thought I was a really talented linebacker. You know, if you go back to the tape, you know, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, you go back to the tape, I thought I was doing my thing, 
but um, there was more opportunity for me. And I really had to trust in his leadership and his guidance. And I had to trust um, Coach Carroll with what they were trying to go with uh, regarding me making that uh, position switch. And, you know, to be so detailed in D-line work, I, I've never had a coach like that that was so in tune with, you know, your hips, your footwork, your hands, and why you're getting up the field and how to run this uh, specific defensive line game and, you know, what it means to, you know, wear that cardinal and gold on a Saturday night playing for Stanford and how we should just dog them out. And, you know, they really had me hyped. And Coach O was just that lead factor for me, Low T. I tell you. For sure, man. I mean, yeah, you know, shout out KP, County Polo. Ooh, um, yeah. Right. Know, that's, he's, you know, that's like my uncle. I still talk to him. You know, he's doing his thing in the league with Minnesota. And, um, you know, there are times, you know, I was away from home and he was there. He was like, hey, man, like, you, you need anything, let me know. And, um, you know, I'm here for you just to talk because I know your family's not around here. And so it was, uh, it was special to, to have that kind of support. How do you think your career would have, uh, would have, you know, transpired or just, you know, played out if you stayed at linebacker frost? Um, it's a great question. I don't think Lofa, I don't think that, um, I would ever been this big <laughs> that I am. I never would have grown to 280 and I think, or 260 at that when I was at SC, just because I had to put the weight on. Yeah. Making those brewskis that we talked about earlier. And, um, I don't know. I, I think I would have played well. I think Lofa, you know, you played right next to me. Um, so you are obviously, I couldn't see myself the way that my peers did. So how do you think though? You know, cause I don't I thought, know. Yeah. I mean, I thought either a traditional Sam, but here's the thing, Frost, you were what, 235, 240 without touching a weight. No and way. I mean, you didn't even touch a weight. You, you were shredded, carved up. And so, you know, once we knew once you had to touch a weight, you were going to get up to 260 easy. And, you know, yeah, you still had the speed to cover and do all the things that's asked or required of a Sam. But, you know, was it going to be as easy for you? I don't know if you carve out 14 years at Sam. That's, you know, that's a tough, you know, tall task. But um, I really think your best role would have been a 3-4 outside backer. So rushing um, and dropping? Yes. I really think, like, and, um, you know, we didn't really do much of that. We were traditional 4-3. But um, if I were to draft, I would have drafted you to be a 3-4 outside, you know, like for the Steelers, you know, all those teams that just brought fast, tough guys off the edge. And, you know, all you you hold the edge to. I mean, I thought you, you would have made a, a hell of a DN slash backer out there in the 3-4. Yeah, one of the things I noticed, Lowe, when I was when I started playing defensive end that, you know, I was so athletic. See, Keith was – he came later, so he didn't really get to see me with, you know, my hand not in the dirt, you know. All I saw was the Herman Munsters. Oh, my, you're, you're, going, you're going on my cleats? They were, they were the Herman Munsters. I'll give you that if we're shooting. I'm going to shoot too. No, nah, we're not shooting. You're going to take that now? No, anyways, though. But – um. Uh, when I, once I start playing defensive end, it's almost like I had to – my coach always used to tell me, stop playing like water when I got drafted to Cincinnati. I was able to be athletic as I could be at SC running my stunts and stuff, and I was very effective. That's why I had a lot of tackles for loss because I could uh, – you know, those spike games and uh, Ed games and stuff like that, I could get under a tackle really quick off the ball. Um, but once I got to the league, 
they tried to change my footwork up a little bit. So it was like not like a quick move. It was step sideways and then forward. And it was like then instead of one. Yeah. Time. So I kind of like became robotic in a sense, trying to play because I'm very coachable. So trying to play exactly the way they want me to play as for my strength and how I could really get down. You yeah. know what I mean? So toward at the end of the, my, my years in the league, I started playing the way I knew how to play. And that's why I think I prolonged it because I could go back to be like, you know what, I got to get in there. I'm going to cheat this. I'm going to do what I got to do to get in that gap. But I was trying to play so robotic in Cincinnati because I always felt like my coaches weren't on my side. It was like they Remember. were me. They weren't, right? Weirdest situations for me. Lofa, I'm so coachable. I would do anything they said, but it yeah. took away my ability to just be quick or I'm rushing and take an inside move. What made you special? It took away what made you special. Yeah, it's like, no, you only can run around the edge, but don't run too far around it. So it was almost like I was bull rushing the whole You're time. And, and, and yeah, and it took away from my instincts and what I could really do. And, you know, and then you see other guys that come in and they let them do it. It's like, yeah. why didn't you let me do it? Yeah, well, I can do that. I was doing that. I was doing that. That's why I'm here. That's why you drafted me, and then that, you get me here, and you want to handcuff me. That yeah, was why do coaches do that, guys. Why, Lofa, you were a coach. Why do coaches do that? I have no idea because as a coach, when I was coaching, I would suggest things, but at the end of the day, they have to play it. So I'm not going to tell them, yo, this is how I did it. You know, it works. You got to do it. That's right. what you hear a lot, right? Right. You know, fuck that, dude. Like, you got to get the job done any way you can. And so I'm going to trust you. But you do your thing, like, a couple times and that shit doesn't work, now you're going to what I told you. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's the relationship. That's the negotiation standpoint of it. But um, I remember we had Brandon Meebane, who who just retired, bang, bang. Um, you know, he was a third-round pick for us. And they were making him take that lateral step. It was like a cue step or whatever they called it and then trying to grab two. And he was getting his ass kicked off the ball. And I was like, yo, this isn't the guy that I watched on film at Cal. This isn't the guy that, you know, I know can play ball. So we were in nine on seven one time. I go, I go, yo, Ben, I go, do you see Chuck Darby? Chuck Darby's 5'11", um, 300 pounds. And he never got moved off the ball because he shot gaps. He was a, a one gap penetrator. That's what, that's what he did. Right. His get off was so fast that he just shoot the gap and take two, and then you got to go get you got to come downhill and take the double team off, yeah. so he can maintain his gap. So I go bang, just shoot the fucking gap, man. Like I don't give a shit what they're telling you. Like I'm the one that has to play behind you, and right now <laughs> you're in my lap. Right now I can't I can't find the ball because we were getting cut off, and sometimes there's there's two guys coming up to me. Um, so uh, he shot the gap. He made like five tackles out of the seven plays. And, and they were like, well, someone showed up today. And I was like, yeah, just let him do what he does best. And, um, and he, I, well, he just retired this year. He had a post the other day. That's why I said shout out to Bang. But uh, I think he had 13, 14 years of? Yeah, 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 he played good. I actually got a chance to meet him his last year's. Mine was obviously 2018 when he played for the Chargers. And because um, Big Mac, Clint McDonald, that we played with in Cincinnati. And truck driver, yeah, that's what they call him uh, in Seattle. Uh, heat truck is what they called him. Truck knew him. And then so pregame, I got a chance to meet him. It's like, obviously, I've seen him on film, you know, a hell of a player and this, that, and the other. But it's always good. Good brotherhood and stuff like that. Um, both of you, question for both of you guys. Winning championships. Uh, 
means everything or it's just part of the game? Yeah, I think everything. <laughs> when you win one, it's, it's uh, you know, you're addicted to that feeling of winning and, and everything you put in and you, you know that it's possible. Like that's the, that's really the thing that, you know, I think um, clicked for us at SC was, okay, this is just what we do. Like I said, the two years that I was blessed to play with you guys, 25 and one, we lost one game in triple overtime and we lost that as much as, you know, Cal was great and everything. We lost that. And uh, offense, right? <laughs> I mean, they, they ran that ball at will in that first half. So we did, we, we helped contribute it after the first 21 points in the first half. We held them outside of the, you know, overtime. We no, held that on the phone before we did this podcast. Yeah. And we did what? That's not what you said on the phone before we did this podcast. Bullshit. What? I'm messing with you. I, I was <laughs> man, testing my mentals right now. I was like, what? Man? <laughs> um, you know, we scored on defense. We blocked a kick. We got did enough to get back in the game. But, I mean, that's um, when winning becomes a habit, you know, um, that's when things get fun. And, I mean, you know, the, all the sacrifices that we went through. But, I mean, to me – that's after getting that championship and then especially, you know, when I, I rolled that right into the NFL and went to the Super Bowl my rookie year, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, we, we're literally just – I'm going to do this shit forever. I'm just going to keep, keep going to championships, right? Right. And, um, winning oh, championships. I mean, like, like Lopez said, to piggyback off what he said, it's everything. I mean, what's the, what's the point of working so hard? What's the point of all the dog days? What's the point of – uh, missing your family on the on the holidays and all the sacrifice if you're not going out there winning championships and and when you win everybody gets everybody gets celebrated it doesn't matter what what part of the totem pole you were at everybody gets celebrated and everybody gets uh, to be a part of it and it's a it's a fun experience and you get to laugh and tell these stories for the rest of your life and uh, the older you get the better they get but um, right <laughs> that's part of it that's to the victor goes the spoils yes or no uh, question for both you guys you guys still wear your rings yes or no Keith no. Lofa? I don't even know where my – I think I gave one to my dad and one to my mom. Uh, and we have, we have a couple more of them, don't we? We have, like, the, the conference. We have, like, the Pac-10 one. Yeah. I don't think you were there for that because we lost. To- yeah, no, I don't, I don't wear the rings. Uh, but doesn't mean that I don't appreciate them. I bring them out for social media and my Michigan friends whenever they're talking trash. You know, I got to let them know. Right. Keith. Being the only guy on this uh, podcast right here that lost to UCLA, how does that feel? <laughs> um, I mean, I'm going to be honest. It feels like we ran 28 pass into the boundary <laughs> on fourth down. <laughs> mm. I'm going to be honest. It was 13-9, and we scored two of, the nine, two of the nine points. So, you know, I think we came out and played a good ball game. But, no, I think it's a team game, and we lost, and it sucks to lose, lose to UCLA. I mean, I, I can't – like. I have UCLA friends, and I, I can't say I never lost to UCLA. That's one of the only teams I can say that about. That that was the best defense, though, right, of all time? Oh, the next year. Was it? Yeah. We had a good one, but it's not as good. What was you guys the best defense of all time? What was the difference? They had – statistically, they had – they just – Seven point eight points per game. Yeah, yeah. They, they was stupid. They were something stupid, yeah. <laughs> and they still lost the game. And they Oregon did. State. Oh, that's right. True. And Corvallis. Yeah, Quiz Rogers. All right, guys. So this is the section that I'm going to break down a couple questions. Uh, We put out something on the Take Back the West uh, podcast site um, at the LA Football Network. Um, And 
we got a lot of questions coming in for you guys. So um, bear with me on this. So this question is from Ian Davidson. He's class of 2005 from Redondo Beach, California. He said, if Pete Carroll stayed at USC through the sanctions, would USC have won another national championship? And where would the program be today? I think the sanctions are tough to overcome just from the, the sheer standpoint of losing, losing those scholarships, bro. That's crucial. Um, that's, you, you're not getting the talent that you need to compete at the national championship level. So I'm going to be honest. I'm going to say I don't think so. But I think, you know, once the scholarships were back rewarded, he's one of the best recruiters. And we know that about him. And getting, getting talent is what it's all about at the college level. Um, so I think eventually he writes the ship, but you know it, it, it would have been it would have been it would have been tough, regardless. Keith, how do you feel about it? Uh, I think it would have been tough, but I think um, you know Pete has that uh, kind of celebrity cachet, so I think him being able to at least get recruits in the uh, in the backyard would have been a bit easier for him as opposed to the his successors. But um, yeah, I, like like the thirty scholarships and stuff. I mean, even if, even though it's spread out over many years. It gave other schools the opportunity to get some of these guys because they couldn't go to bowl games. So it gave other guys the uh, opportunity to go to these schools and catch up, catch up with the, the head start that USC had on everybody. This question right here for Lofa T uh, is from Matt McCoy, co-founder of 1937 Farms, which is a company that you own also, and a teammate of yours in Seattle, which was a teammate of mine growing up, one of my best friends in the whole wide world. We grew up, went to high school together. But he said, Lofa, <laughs> this is a question for you, so bear with me. You can kick his ass if you want. Was he said, Lofa, were you expecting to go to the second round after you ran a four point eight forty? Motherfucker. I know. I know. <laughs> um you know, I I was I was hopeful late first, second until I ran the forty. So he's not wrong in calling that out. <laughs> but um you know, I had confidence that I was still going to go fairly high. But in hindsight, I really wish I didn't run that 40. I, I definitely dropped my dropped my uh, stock. You pulled a Lindell. What's that? You're yeah. Lindell. That, I, I'm telling you, I should have just said I'm not running the 40. Stood my ground. Like, yo, evaluate that shit off the film, man. Like, I'm running, I'm running by four fours on the film. So you tell me what I run. I think it worked out perfectly. It did. It did. Everything happens for a reason, but damn, that shit was embarrassing. Thanks, Matt. Yep. That's right up his alley to ask something like that, right? Hey, Keith, this question's for you from Matt Barwick, class of 07, from Boston, Massachusetts. He says, what is the hardest hit you ever took, SC or pro, and who was your favorite player to play against? Uh, the hardest hit you ever took? Um, probably, I think, um, playing the Cowboys – uh, early in the sec first or second quarter, uh, I shoot the gap and hit Leonard Davis. Uh, Leonard Davis is yeah. offensive lineman. He used to play. Big for was Lofa. <laughs> yeah. Holy smokes, that guy was big. I remember going up against him too, Keith. Right, and there was a body underneath him, so I knocked him over. And he's, like, oh yeah, that's how you want to play. That's how you want to play. And then the third quarter came around. I tried to do the same thing, and um, I think my body's still in the ground in Dallas somewhere in the old stadium. This question is for uh, both of you guys. Um, from Noah Green, class of 06, he's from New York City. Uh, he says, what was the mindset and what was going on behind the scenes during that last drive, uh, especially on the fourth and eighth against Cal in 2004? Um, the shovel pass. 
I mean that that's yeah that shit was wild, bro. Um, Aaron Rodgers hadn't missed a pass in what twenty four straight, and um, it's pretty good. You know, it was, and then it, it all comes down to first and goal at the nine or the eight, um, and those it was the shovel pass, like you said, um, another couple errant throws, and uh, shit. I remember Pete called us all over the sideline. Remember? Yeah. And I was like, I was tired as I was tired as hell. I was like, man. I don't need a speech right now. <laughs> like I was like waving them all. Right. <laughs> I'm like, bro, oh, I'm good. And so um he came out and uh yeah, we, we made we made enough plays and uh, it was wild that he went 0 for four on the last drive, you know, uh for the game. Yeah, I've never seen anyone play like that, especially versus us up until that point where we played Ben Chiang, I'll tell you that. But I never seen a quarterback just dink and dunk us the whole entire game. And we never got a rhythm or a beat on him because the ball came out so quick, we couldn't get a pass rush on him. Uh, what a game plan. And, it, and that goes to say those Ted Tedfords versus yeah. Pete Carroll's matchups were second to none. Yeah. I mean, we, it's like we played cover two all the time. Um, and, and we gave them the run. But when he was able to pass on cover two, our cover two, I was like, you know, damn, like we're in for a long day. Because um, the year before we gave up about a buck sixty to uh, Joe Echimandu, and then uh, yeah, Joe Etch was getting off, man. He was balling. And then the next year, Arrington uh, JJ, you know, he rushed two thousand yards that year. Didn't even wasn't even up to the Heisman, which was crazy to me. Um, but but Aaron Rodgers, it, it, there was a lot of quick screens, but he was hitting some you know eight to ten yard stick routes, and then that wide receiver Chase Lyman. Yeah, yeah, he's from the Bay. I think he went to school with none. Bro, he tore his ACL in that game and finished the game. And then he was oh. done for the rest of the season. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, Hancock. I, I remember I was like, him, Jeff MacArthur was balling. I was like, man, they're not dropping anything. Um, on top of, I mean, you know how hard it is to, to, to complete 10 in a round, never mind 24, against a top five defense. Because um, we were still getting after him. We, uh, Mikey P had two or three sacks that game. Uh, we, we were supplying, applying pressure. So it was um, – that had to be one of the most fun games we played in, though, um, just going back and forth. Keith, anything? Um, I didn't play that much that game. I did a little bit. Um, but uh, I was in on the last play. <laughs> I looked at Mikey P. We ran a text. We ran the text. Uh, I ran into a lineman and got. <laughs> I look up and the, and the game was over. Yeah, I remember that play. I they ran that shovel pass and I just like I went down. I read it off the edge, and he couldn't he couldn't do it. And then uh, who got the sack? Was it Manny? Manny came around. Big Manny, Big Manny, shout out to Big Manny. Um, <laughs> Manny, still playing got, by the way. So Big Manny made that sack, and that was one of the biggest plays I think in our USC careers for me. You guys don't make that tackle. JJ walks into the end zone because there was two two guys, three guys coming up straight up to me and Groots, and I was like, "Oh shit!" Like I had your back, Lou. I was right there. I was gonna try to pick it. Yeah, go right there, and I was gonna be like uh, Metal World Peace and go straight to the bars in my uniform. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so uh, here's a question from Anteus Walker. You know him. He's uh, my one of my best friends, aka Possum. Awesome. Yeah, you know my guy. Um, this is for both of you guys. Keith, I want you to answer this first. Hey, did you guys feel any pressure playing uh, backer at USC after the greats that played there? 
Um, I think the pressure was, yeah, I mean, you had a, a standard to live up to in the room. I mean, whether it's from the current players, whether it's uh, trying to live up to guys like Lofa and, and Groots uh, or trying to live up to the past guys. I think there was a standard that was set, and, um, yeah, you had to live up to that for sure. Yeah, yeah, man. I mean, you know, the names, you know, McGinnis, Seau, um, Clay, Chris Clay, who I don't think gets enough credit for, you know, being – being the guy, the only walk is a winner, right? And, you know, we got the All-American walk where you go by and you tap, you know, the ones that, that you know, really are significant to you because they did it before. They, you know, and they laid the, you know, the ground for you to you to do it. So, but in terms of, I didn't think there was too much pressure for me as there was for, like, Keith getting that coveted 55. I mean, that's, they don't do that for just anyone, man. They, um, and, and when, you know, I played really well my freshman year, I, or sophomore year, I was like, oh, maybe I'll get, you know, 55. And, uh, and then they brought in Keith, and they were like, we're giving him 55. I go, okay, now that makes more sense. Right, right. You know, Keith was so heralded coming out of Lake Mary's, uh, Florida. Um, you know, you had a – Orlando, Disney League. There you go. And it was Poochies, too. Oh, come on. We would have whooped up on Tustin, Massachusetts. Man. Bring it on. King Orlando. Phillips. King Phillips? Yeah. Dr. to stop uh, – Lofa at quarterback. I was no just kid. saying, King Phillips got some Pro Bowls on their belt. Just saying. No, that was great. But, uh, Keith, one of those things, when you came in with 5'5", five five, obviously we recruited you. You came on your recruiting trip. We knew all about you. Uh, Coach O, all the coaching staff was so hype on you because of the type of player you were. And it just felt really good that you, uh, you actually did what you were supposed to do with it. You know what I mean? You didn't come in. You didn't flop. Uh, you worked your tail off in the weight room, in the classroom, and or you just went out there and ball. You know what I mean? And that's what the 55 was all about. And so, you know, Lofa couldn't be upset about not getting 55, even though he proved it on the field that he sh- could have wore it. They used it as a recruiting tool to get you, and then they used 20 to get Darnell Bean. Uh, you know what I'm saying? You mm-hmm. Taking that from Mike Garrett, the, those Heisman numbers that are retired, it meant so much to us because – you guys deserve those those jerseys. If that's what you guys wanted to wear, you deserved it. Yeah, I, th- I think we deserved it just as much, and everybody else in the room deserved it as well because we had a, a whole heck of a lot of the dogs in the in, in the linebacker room, D line, in every every position. I mean, we were stacked, and everybody was great players, and you know that's what made us all play so well is because we all elevated to uh, the competition that we had around us. Like I said, practice was more fun than games because I mean you're you're really playing against the best. Right, you practice yeah. more than you play, man. I mean, it was wild to me, though, like, keep walking in and being ready to ball. Like, 18 years old, bro, like, you know, Frost, I went to Maine for a year, so the, you know, it was, we still had guys like Brian Westbrook, some phenomenal competition, but, um, you know, I think about that I still had an extra redshirt year to get ready, you know, so, you know, I was, yeah, for the transition to playing against, um, you know, the top talent in the country. And, uh, and so that's where Keith earned my respect just off jump when he came in. Uh, on top of being humble and being one of the hardest workers, you know, in the room, it was uh, the fact that he was ready, man. You could see it in his eyes. He wasn't – He wasn't. the moment wasn't too big, and he was ready to go out there and show out. So uh, I always had the utmost respect for my guy. No, man, I appreciate that. Although, uh, I mean, I think you guys knew. I, I mean, the Utah game, I came in. You're like, hey, you look nervous. <laughs> you did. You look like during the headlights. Like, <laughs> we need you right now, my G. We need you. 
the the hey, I got one more the the nickel Keith story. Did we ever tell you this one, Frost? <laughs> so he's coming on, and I'm over there trying to get the huddle calls to Stanford, and he's standing right next to me and Groots. And so we're looking, and we're we're like, because all camp when okay. Keith was in, one of us was yeah. out. Right. Yeah, it, it wasn't it wasn't quite Nickel Keith where he was DN. He was like, yo, either Loaf or or uh or Groots is out. And so me and Groots are like, is it me? Is it you? And Keith's like, no, it's Nickel Keith. Like <laughs> <laughs> he had his own defense. He had his own defense. <laughs> and he earned it. You're worth it, man. I'm telling and everybody you. Everybody else was like, shook, like, wait, am I out? Are you? <laughs> <laughs> That's a memory that people just don't. And then he had two sacks that game. <laughs> And, and not another one after. So that's <laughs> no, I'm playing, man. In the big comeback win, Keith. Hey, man, yeah, that was a big game. Um, but yeah, no, uh, no more sex with us this season. <laughs> no, man, you, you played your tail off though. You you gave us what you had, and we need you to rush. You know what I mean? And that just speaks the type of football player you were. You know what I mean? You can come off the edge. You can dip low. You know, you know he's a freak elite. You know he's a freak. So he just dipped right under the tackle. And got two sacks, and you know those. I never got the side scissors though, man. I gotta get. I, I wish I always had the side scissors, like the Rock Man. Nah, you get punched and you get thrown out the club with those side scissors sometimes, man. Okay, Lofa and Keith, man. Obviously, you guys know we're best friends. We're in group chats, and you know we send each other text messages and call each other to check in all the time, and that's the brotherhood that I've always uh, wanted and I do have, and I'm very appreciative of you guys stopping by. Take back the West podcast uh, with me and the Believe Network today. Um, to both of you guys, fight on. I love you guys and uh, appreciate you guys. Oh, yeah, fight on, Frost. Fight on, Ruck. Loaf, thanks for having me on, man. It was great reminiscing with you guys. Absolutely. Thank you, buddy. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.